You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm Jamie Magdal, and this is Pets Mean Business, episode number maybe 28. I could be wrong. It could be 27, could be 29, but that's okay. It doesn't need to be exact science. The important thing is that we're here and that we've been doing this for some time, and it's been going great. And thank you so much for the feedback, the emails, the follow-ups, the everything. So glad that the people that we have had here on the show have been meaningful and that have they've helped you and they've helped you to kind of expand your horizons and your thought processes. That's what this is all about. That's what Pets Mean Business is. That's what this pet industry is about. It's about finding things that work for you so you can live the best life in the passion of pets. I don't think I've ever said passion of pets, but you know what I mean. So here's the, here's the deal. If you've been listening to the show, you know the deal, right? We, we talk to really important interesting, inspiring people in the pet space. And that could be anyone from an animal shelter, animal welfare individual. It could be someone who's an entrepreneur of a large technology company, of a startup. It could be a volunteer in an organization, someone who is doing something that means something to themselves personally, and that they're feeling as though what they're doing is authentic. They're living authentically through the work that they do, whether it's for money, not for money, or some combination of both. And, and so it's really, it's the fact that those people, these folks that are on the show, they're the ones that are building and growing and working in this massive $60 billion pet industry. I've been in the industry for 20 years. And in those 20 years, what I've seen is that not a single day has gone by for me where I haven't felt you know, inspired or just kind of honored to be in the space with somebody, whether it's a colleague or a friend or someone I'm just reading about on Twitter, whatever it is. I just feel like the cool thing about the pet industry is that people can reinvent themselves and be who they want to be when they want to be that person. And they can explore and they can test and they can keep on iterating. And that's you know, and that's what I've done, certainly, and I've seen kind of the best people I know do that. In fact, our guest today has also done that. She's going to talk about, and we're going to talk about together, just that journey. And I think that maybe that's kind of what's going to happen today is that the conversations I have with Nicole, my guest, is all about the journey that the pet industry allows people to take. So if you're sitting there right now thinking, I want to be on a pet industry journey, let us be your guide. Let me be your guide. Let me and my guests and this show help guide you. And so if you need anything, please reach out to me at jamie at petliferadio.com. Also, jamie at fetchfine.com. Whatever you need, you can always reach me and I can put you in touch with the right people and help you to figure that out. So my guest today, like I said, is a woman named Nicole. So full disclosure, I always say, because you know, the, the nice thing is that I've been in the industry for so long that I have a lot of really, I have a very wide network. So sometimes, as you've noticed, a lot of the guests that come on are people I've known for some period of time. Nicole is no different. So full disclosure, I've known Nicole for, I don't know, we'll just call it seven or eight years, maybe a little bit more. She'll tell us when she comes on. And she actually, for me, and part of the reason that I wanted to have Nicole on the show is she really does embody the idea of a journey and perfecting what it is to be figuring things out. There's like a perfection in figuring things out. And then there's a perfection execution. And there's something in the middle. And I think that she really embodies that. And as we talked to Nicole, we'll learn more about that. Nicole is a training director, the, the national training director for one of the largest training companies in the country called um, Paradise for Paws. 
And I'll let her talk about who Paradise for Pods is and their growth and their expansion. But Nicole's got a really big, really important job. And I don't think she even realizes how big and important it is. Um, but I do. And that's part of the reason I wanted to have her on, too. Not just because I think she's really interesting and smart and has done some great journeying in the pet industry, but she has a really big job. So my guest is going to be Nicole Stewart. And she's going to come on after the break. And we're going to talk about her journey, her passions, who she is. I think you'll find things about her that are going to inspire you. And I know that she'll be available to you for questions as well. And you can always follow up with her. So when we get back from the break, it'll be me, Jamie, and my good friend, Nicole Stewart. And we'll talk all about uh, what it is to be a dog trainer. But so much more than that. So thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me ramble on. We'll be back in a minute. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com guys uh we're back it's jamie and nicole hey nicole hi hi so everybody great to be here oh my god i'm so glad you're here i love you so here's the thing i've already let everyone know that i know you and i I don't think i said i loved you before but i'll say it now (laughs) we have known each other for a really long time so we're both dog trainers uh we've worked in the same company we've had a lot of um, experiences we've had a lot of growth together and a lot of you know just just a lot of stuff oh my gosh a lot of stuff we've so, had babies uh, at the same time there's so much oh my god we have had babies at the same time <laughs> it's true well, i think what three months apart yeah three months apart yeah. two months apart yeah so listen you know obviously in the show notes people can learn who you are and they're going to read your bio and they're going to see how you know exceptional you are but let's just talk a little bit about you know, um, why do you think I wanted you to be on the show? <laughs> well, I am assuming it's because of where I am now in the dog industry and in the pet industry and how I got there would be my guess. Sure. Because um, it's been a really interesting journey. I don't know. I like to think that it has anyway. And so that would be my guess as to why you invited me on. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, and I know that we've already talked about this, and I know you've listened to the show. So you know that the whole idea is that we want to create a dialogue together, you and I, that has takeaways for people, and that Mm -hmm. people can find value in our conversation, but more importantly, in your story. So you're exactly right. You know, you're, uh, you know, you're someone who I admire and look up to and respect. And I think that, you know, for all the right reasons. So let's talk about a little bit, like, how did you become, like, how did you get here? What what happened? <laughs> what the hell happened? Such a crazy, what? good question. <laughs> yeah, I've had a really interesting path, um, you know, because I wasn't raised on a farm and like, you know, birthed cows and been involved in animals all my life. I have always loved animals and I have always had dogs in my life. And, and that has always been something that I, I definitely was drawn to. But it all sort of came about when I, I was a, an actress out in L.A. 
an aspiring actress, I feel like I should say, because I was waiting a lot of tables. And a, let's just put it, dysfunctional boyfriend and I ended up fostering a dog. One of my greater thoughts in that moment. But regardless, we, we adopted this dog and I also didn't have a place where I could keep the dog. So again, it was just a brilliant move. But we left, we had the dog at my boyfriend's place. And long story short, the dog ended up running away. He had a lot of fear issues and a lot of things that I didn't know what to do with. Uh, really a high reactivity on leash and it was a bit of an overwhelming dog as it was. And then when he ran away, I spent weeks and weeks and weeks searching the internet, going to shelters, spending a lot of time in that world and just wondering, there's got to be something we can do about this. And what I did know about me is that when I found myself, the dog had bad reactivity issues. I had no idea what to do. I found some, literally some random trainer in my apartment complex who used methods that I didn't, that I wasn't comfortable executing on. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't comfortable actually doing them. And so needless to say, I felt like I'd failed that dog. And I'm sure, I mean, and I, as I watched all of these shelters, I thought, wow, there's a lot of dogs who um, have found themselves here or have felt, you know, other people have felt like I have. So I ended up, funny enough, sort of down the internet hole, you know, when you look from one place to another. So it starts with shelters and looking and looking. And then all of a sudden I found myself looking about being a dog trainer and what that meant. And luckily I happened upon a man named Paul Owens, who it was a positive reinforcement dog trainer who had a year long program in LA. And um, I didn't really know what any of that meant, but I went to meet him. And when I heard what positive reinforcement dog training was, when I found out there was a method of treating what my dog had had, let's say, you know, the behavior that he displayed. And when I found that there was a way to work with that, that wasn't tugging on it and hurting him in order to change that, I thought, wow, that's something that I would be interested in doing. So that sort of started it all. And I, I, you know, did the year-long program with him, apprenticed for him, worked for him, and then ended up moving back to Chicago, which is where I'm from, and started my own business, and then got invited to be the director of training at, a, at Animal Sense. So at what point did you say, so I think I know that part of the story, what, um, and we'll, <laughs> we'll, we can go down that path for sure, but at what point as you were working with Paul and you had this, and by the way, I, know, did never, I, don't, I never knew that stray dog story. Oh, yeah. I, I never knew that story. How, what that, kind of, really? What kind of dog, yeah, what kind of dog was that? He was some sort of pity lab mix, but small, but really, really, really reactive and fearful. What I know now is to be fearful at the time, I was like, I have no idea what's happening. But Isn't that funny? anything I've ever experienced, yeah. Isn't that funny? And now you look back and you're like, that was so obvious. How did I not know yeah. what to label that as? Which is, right. you know, which is why we do what we do as dog trainers, because you've got to give people language. And that's really what yeah. dog training is, is giving them language and then tools. But yeah. I digress. At what point did you realize that you were going to pursue the career of working with animals versus the pursuit of acting? Well, um, you know, I really think that I was in the process of pursuing both while I was in L.A. and still, you know, was, was actively trying to do both. It was hard to do everything, and that became a trying experience. And through several reasons, I decided to move back to Chicago. And I think it was then when I came back here, I got some temp job at our reception desk, which was gave me lots of time to think. And um, <laughs> And I was like, do I want to make this a thing that I do? And can I? Can I do this? Right? And so I decided to just try putting it out there a little bit. 
And so I would work at the reception desk and then go and train clients as they came up. And I was lucky enough and had a a pretty good rapport with people enough to get a nice set of referrals that then allowed me to say, okay, I'm ready to jump off and and maybe this is going to be something that I'm going to do for a long time. I then got a part-time job and then worked both of those and then eventually was able to just run my own business and, and do that. And that was pretty awesome. Do you still long for the theater? The theater. Um, it's interesting. I long for a creative life. I do long for that. There is creativity in what I do. And what I get in dog training and in the way the things that I do now for Paradise for Paws is I'm able to present um, lead, mentor, inspire, and uh, and create some. So I'm able to sort of wrap that into what I do. So I do miss it. I do get some of what I need within within Paradise for Paws, but I do I do miss the like active creativity. I think, and that's probably the biggest piece that I miss. You, I don't really miss the actual getting out there and auditioning and getting ready for like two seconds of audition. You know, I don't miss that so much. All right, so you're doing, I mean, so you're admittedly, you're doing, you know, you're finding ways for that creative outlet and you're finding ways to feed that part of your soul. And I, I mean, I obviously, mm-hmm. I see you do that all the time. And you also have, mm-hmm. you do other things too, because the reality is, and I think that you know this more than anybody, because you're incredibly insightful and you have a lot of self-awareness, is that it still can't be all fulfilling, right? Like, even though you have found right. ways to accommodate that part of your soul in your career as a dog professional and manager and director of a national program, but there's still other things that I know are still, there are things that you long for still. So you have dog on everything. Um, Mm -hmm, I do. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I feel like that's like such a, you know, I love dog on everything, as you know, and I think that it has such a great, I I just, I think that how that's come about is really cool. And I think that I have a sister-in-law. Her name is Pam, yeah. and um, uh-huh. and she's a really talented writer. Um, she was a, a you know wrote and she was went to you know college and was a really good writer in college. I think she may have had maybe her major was writing. Anyway, she's really good and she can write kind yeah. of about anything. And she's funny and she's creative and she's smart and she's witty. And her written word is always like she has the right like she's a good wordsmither. I think that you're mm-hmm. the same thing. What I always try to talk to her about is just write a blog. You know, she lives in Minneapolis. She's got two great kids. She has a career. But like, write a blog. It's just, and so, and you were at that place too, where I feel like, I remember at one point you were like, I'm a good writer. I know this. I'm a domain expert around dogs and living with dogs and kids and dogs. I have a lot to say. What was the stepping point or like the stepping point where you just decided to just go for it? And how did that, how would you or what advice would you give to someone like my sister-in-law who has a passion for writing or has something to say, but doesn't really know where to start because it seems overwhelming to add another thing to your life? Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Really, it's about, you know, really, it's about just sitting down and doing it. I mean, that that is the thing. So it's right, really right, right, right. about just starting. And, you know, the thing that I did with Dog on Everything, and it's been a little slow lately, but the thing I did with Dog on Everything is I, I had a method. I have a message and a purpose around it. And so I just started writing things without worrying about putting it up on a blog or figuring all that, because that took a little bit of a learning curve for me. It's not really where my strong suit lies. And so... I just started writing things and then, ooh, that would be a good one. And so I wrote down a list of things that I would write about going forward. I still have that list and I still will will get to all those things, I'm sure. But I think having like a purpose behind and then just writing, 
I mean, I have a, I have a friend who's a writer out in LA. He's a, a screenwriter and he's like, honestly, the only trick there is, and everything I read, this is the only trick there is, is to literally write every day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> so I can manage that. I mean, I can figure out some way to do that. It's not always easy to fit it in. So, you know, 30 minutes, maybe all I get. And sometimes that's what it takes me to get ramped up and writing like I like. But sometimes I have more time. And when I do, that's when I try to capitalize on that. All right. Talking about your time is also something that I want to really dive. Managing a lot of people, a creative flame that you're constantly fanning. You're managing a national comedy, amazing thing. So what I want to do, we're going to go to break, we're going to come back. And then and when we come back, let's talk about that. Let's talk about so how you how you approach those challenges and some things that you do that you think that you could do better or that you feel like you've kind of finally figured out and and we'll go and we'll we'll kind of explore that together. So when we get back, we'll do that. So guys, thanks for hanging out here. This is awesome. You're with me, Jamie McDowell, your host on Pets Mean Business with my wonderful guest, Nicole Stewart, National Training Director for Paradise for Paws and Animal Sense. And we'll get that data out too. Like, and that's in the show notes so you know who she is and where to find her and her cool company. So, but we'll be right back after the word from our sponsor. Thanks. So when we brought him home, we didn't realize that Bear, the rescue dog, was actually sick. He had very flaky skin. He was dropping a lot of fur. And Lavette wanted to do steroid injections, special dog food. Nothing seemed to work. So I've been hearing Dinovite on the radio for years. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. It never actually crossed my mind to try it until I was just at a dead end. And then it finally sunk in. Oh, you're talking about hair and skin. And all right, (laughs) I'll try it. Well, it took probably six weeks, but after we started using Dinovite, no more flaky skin. He doesn't scratch and itch, and he started to put weight on. (laughs) It was awesome. He makes us feel like we saved him. Every rescue dog in America deserves Dinovite for 90 days. I wish that we would have started the Dinovite right away. It would have been so much easier. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Are you having trouble getting the word out about your new pet product or invention? Let Whitegate PR open the gate to your marketing and public relations efforts. We've been specializing in public relations in the pet industry for over a decade. From press releases to media relations and publicity to pet trade shows and launch events to social media, the pet-friendly team at Whitegate PR has you covered. If you listen to the wise words of Bill Gates, he says, If I had $1 left, I'd spend it on PR. Learn more at whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pets Mean Business. I'm Jamie Migdal. I'm your host, and we're sitting here talking with a dear friend of mine, a very talented dog trainer, a very accomplished professional, a creative, a mom, a wife, a friend, a sister, a daughter, many, many things. You know, everyone, we all wear a lot of hats. And I think it's really important, too, when you're talking to somebody or you're thinking about somebody and you're kind of sending them love and sending them whatever kind of feelings you want to send them, thinking about all the hats that people wear. And thinking about thinking about kind of what their challenges are and what they're being held accountable for and what they're being held, what's, what kind of standards they're being held to. And 
you know, we're also, we all get so caught up in our own lives and our own roles and our own challenges and our own, you know, motivations and fears and things that sometimes it's really hard to step out of yourself and look at somebody else and really see that person for all of those things that they've got going on. And I'm, you know, in this show, it seems like that always somehow comes out like this, this kind of multi-layered piece of people and how that plays out. And of course, you know, the background to the conversation is always the pet industry, but sometimes it really isn't. And I think with you, Nicole, you know, yes, the background is the pet industry because that's why we're on the show. That's the name of the show. That's how we know each other. That's how you earn a living. That's what you do with 90% of your professional life is working with animals and things. But, you know, you've got a lot like I just said, you've got a lot of roles and you have a lot of responsibilities. And a lot of people look to you for things. I mean, everything from being fed, right, to you know, <laughs> getting them to ice skating practice, to you know, answering text messages about you know this person needs this, and clients, and and your boss, and your staff, and your friends. I mean, you have so much. So, what are some of the things that you find like tools that you use, or some um, strategies that you employ, so you can have some? I never use the word balance because I don't think it's possible but what are some of the things that you can i mean it's just completely it's it's a silly it's a silly phrase the only thing place you can balance is on a beam so <laughs> so what are like you know what are those things like what are this how do you do it how do you get on a plane and come home and have the energy for kids and a husband and all those other roles <laughs> wow. or maybe you don't um, maybe you don't you're strug- don't. maybe you're struggling with that maybe you're trying to figure yeah. that out i mean whatever that is yeah well, so, you know, it's an interesting question because I think that I personally never think that I'm doing it well enough. And there are things that I do that I think are good, right? Which is I sort of run everything from my house to, you know, the way that I do my work and I, I make my own schedule and I and, and I have the luxury, I would say the luxury of making my own schedule with my job, but also I have to actually make my schedule and get my work done. So I sort of... <laughs> I don't recommend this to everybody, but I muckle a lot of it, right? I sort of, do you know what I mean when I say that? Kind of. I literally like give direction to everyone in my life. And there are some people that would tell me that is probably not really working for me. And they're probably right. So wait, I have like, started. When you say, wait, when you say muscle, do you mean strong arm or do you mean white, like white no. knuckle? You mean, what is no, that? No, I mean muscle it. Like I'm just trying to keep my hands on everything. Mm-hmm. And in that, it's really hard to get everything done the way that you'd like, right? You have, I, I feel like if, if I could, and, and I have been lately because I've had to really figure out how to make everything work is delegate across the board. You know, I have to delegate at work. I can't do all of it. And I have to delegate at home because I can't do all of it. And there are other people who can do it almost as well as I can, right? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, hmm. I suppose it's, that might be true, right? I suppose almost, that's true. Almost I, as well. Almost as well. That's going to listen to this. Yeah. Um, But the thing is, is like that, that has been a really big thing for me to learn is that um, I can't muscle it all. Like I'm just trying to make everything happen and be everywhere and do everything. And you just, I can't really do that. So I have to delegate. So when I travel, you know, I write out a very long list of everything for literally everyone that is going to have their hands on my kids. But I do that so that then I can go and I don't have to think about it. So it's all written down so I can know that everyone's handled. It's, you know, 95% handled. (laughs) But regardless, it's good, right? I mean, that's a, a way to go. And at work, I'm always trying to get to delegate some things and create a little bit more space from me being working in the business and 
actually running the business. And that has been my, my biggest goal since, I don't know, the past couple of months. And do you see it working? Do you see that, that you're getting some, you're having some traction around that? Do you feel like that those put implementing some of this delegation and some of this like pre-planning, do you see that you're getting a better handle or do you feel like you still have a long way to go? I'm getting there. There's still a way to go. There's things that I need to put into place to allow that to happen, but um, I'm getting there. I mean, I have a plan and it's just about slowly every day creating a situation. So the plan is in place and working, right? So do you it's really interesting. Do you really feel like, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously I'm a working mom too, so I can totally relate to all of the different pieces around the struggles and the challenges and the ups and downs that come with that. But do you ever, other days or maybe even, we can even break it down to hours or even minutes where you feel like, I got it. I am, I'm killing it. Like, I just need to keep this up. And in those moments, do you feel... Totally. Are those like your most authentic moments or are your most authentic moments when you're like, I just have so much further to go and I just, I want to keep perfecting this? So there, I have those days where I'm like, wow, I just killed it today. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. across the board, I, everyone got where they needed to go. There were not that many tears either at work or at home. Um, <laughs> but there was, uh, you know, and, and like I got accomplished a lot at work and those are, those are great days. I think the most authentic, the days when it, it goes well, not those days when everything's, fall, you know, sort of you're tripping over every little thing that falls in, in your way. But the most authentic days are the days where something might fall apart and it's, you can actually take a breath and laugh at it and then pick it up and fix it and go for it. Like, I feel more real on those days. Uh, something goes wrong, we fix it, it's ridiculous or it's annoying or it's whatever it may be, be it family or work or something in between, and then we fix it, and then it's back on track. That is what I think is more real. The other days are just like little gems, little carrots of like, you know, motherly or work-wise brilliance that just sort of fall into place. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. Because what you're, what I'm hearing you say is that you keep on doing the work. And I don't mean like the actual work, but like working on yourself and working on developing processes and being present. In fact, I saw something you posted on Facebook last night. I can't remember what it was exactly, but I saw something about like when you hit a certain age, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. Bear with me. When you hit a certain age, there are certain things that you don't give a fuck about anymore. Like that's really, I think that actually was what was in that article. And those weren't your words, but that was the kind of what the words were. And I'm hearing that in your voice. You're not saying any of that right now, but I'm hearing that that is a, that's a place from which you are coming at this point in your life. Like, all right, those things just can't give any of any F's about whatsoever. Is that part of your winning formula right now? Sure, absolutely. It's picking picking the things that are most important and focusing on those because, you know, sometimes you can see my dining room table and sometimes you can't. And if I let that ruin my entire day, we would have a real problem on our hands. You know, it's, it's just doing, like, just doing the things that are the most important and the things that will move everything forward is where I am right now. What are the things that freak you off the most or scare you the most? What kind of brings you, to, you know, like what? For me, the thing, when, like my moments where I feel the most vulnerable or the most scared or you know, kind of is when I feel, when I feel unsupported mm-hmm. or I feel um, like unsupported by like my friends or my family or the people that are in my, you know, my mm-hmm. professional life. If I don't feel supported, if I feel like, and I don't mean like, yeah. you know, extol me and like hold me up and, you know, tell me how amazing I am. I mean, like if 
people don't, I feel like people don't believe in me. Those are the things that I struggle with most. And that's where I'm constantly trying to like, and that's all about like finding it in yourself to overcome whatever those thoughts are and find out that they're not real and that they're just like stories that you make up. And even if they are real, you still need to make up a new story. What is the thing for you in your multi-dynamic life and roles that you find are your, are like the triggers for you that you're like, that do bring you to your knees to some level degree? You know, I think, well, there's something certainly to be said by feeling supported, you know, everywhere. But I think at work, it's it's when things seem to not fall into place, you know, because I think sometimes things fall apart before they get better. Yeah. Working with dogs, right? They get worse before they get better. And sometimes I feel like that is a little, that trusting that that falling apart won't just completely plummet. Do you know what I mean? Like some things just are going to have to, break up a little bit and change and therefore maybe not succeed as well for a short amount of time while you figure out how to really make it fly. Are you afraid to go to that place or do you feel like you, I mean, I get worried. I get worried when it starts to, I get very, that, that's sort of like, I go to a place of like, I am a, I, I can get very anxious around that. And that can be a very fearful place for me. And it's almost like I got to, sometimes for me personally, I have to go through and be really afraid for a minute and then be like, well, not, what am I going to do? What, just sit in the corner, curled up in a ball? I can't do that. So then I'm able to kind of pick myself up. I do, I can actually get fearful like that. And sometimes I need to just feel it, right? I just need to feel it. And then I'm able, to, if I fight it too much, then then it, it just brings me down further. So it's like if I can just feel the fear and then start to do what it takes to change the course of whatever I'm talking about. But specifically, I can think of things at work where I'm like, you know, this is what it is. Let's make it better. Let's do little things to make it better every day. At home, um, the things that fear that I think are fearful, are, you know, that, that bring me my needs the most are my kids and their happiness and success. You know, I want them to be happy and successful. And I think worrying about that and, you know, seeing them do things that won't get them there and helping them. It's really like wearing your heart outside your body. And I have it twice, right? Some people have it four times, which I can't even imagine. But I have two little pieces of my heart running around on a day-to-day basis. And I feel that feels a little scary and scary to me and and, uh, overwhelming sometimes. Okay, I'm just trying to keep myself together. (laughs) I had a situation just this past, I guess it was last weekend, that for the first time, my daughter, Sadie, obviously, you know, Sadie, she's four and a half. And for the first time, I saw her, like, I saw her hurt by somebody and by what somebody said and did. Like, like authentically, deeply raw, like very raw hurt in her face, on her eyes, like in her eyes, on her face, how she reacted to this particular wronging um how someone had wronged her they accused her of something it doesn't matter they accused her of something that i I know for a fact didn't happen the way that the person i mean you know it was such a little thing in the four-year-old scheme of life it was just someone got their finger stepped on it was such a silly little thing but she was so torn up and was torn up and cried and cried in a way that was so visceral and so so painful that night we went to bed she was laying in bed with me and she ended up falling asleep. And I looked at her and I, um, and no, I haven't even shared the story with Drew yet, my husband. I, um, I looked at her and I just started crying and yeah. like I could not stop crying. And I just felt like, you know, I felt like no matter what I can do well in this world, like that moment that happened earlier, like that's not something that I can ever, I can't 
ever protect her from that, but how do I prepare her for that? And so I told, you know, it's like, like you, I can, you know, delegate things and run companies and do this and do that and plan and strategize and collaborate and collaborate, all that. But, you know, there's like this one thing, right? And I think that's where being a working mom is really challenging. There's this one area that like, no matter what, like you have to take a different strategy and a different approach because it's the long game. And it's a long game for all everything else that we do too, right? Relationships and work and career and creating yeah. and all that stuff. But with your kids, I love what you said that you're just, it is a different level of fear and of thinking and a different strategy that must be at play to be successful in that arena of being, yeah. not just being a parent, but being like a, being, being open to all of the things that happen and being willing to modify is actually dog training. Yeah. You know, it's funny because someone said to me once, they were like, you do the best you can and then you make sure that you pay for their therapy later. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm always kind of looking, I'm I'm like, this is the thing that I'm going to be paying for later, you know, but it's like, it's because you can't, you just can't protect them from everything. And, but it also, the other thing to keep in mind, I think is that it benefits them, right? All those little hurts and recoveries benefit them. So it's like, just like puppies. It's really just like puppies. We talk about being doctors. We always think about, you know, I'll never forget my mentor, Alice, uh, the vet, she always says, you know, the little stressors make for the strongest dogs. And it's true. Like all those little teeny stressors as puppies, you cannot put a puppy in a bubble and expect them to be a successful adult dog. And same thing. Well, that's a really nice way to kind of come to the conclusion of this conversation. We can bring it right back to dogs. And that's the thing, right? Can't you bring everything to dogs? Everything. Dog training training is life. Like it just, it it imitates life like art. I will tell you that I am convinced that I am a better parent because I was a dog trainer first and learned how to be a prevention and management, setting dogs up for success. And then, and then taking that and being a parent, it has helped me a great deal. I'm not perfect by any stretch, but that has been helpful. Unquestionably, couldn't agree with you more. And uh, and and I think and I've been. Ta- I mean, I've talked to a lot of the folks that we've interviewed on the show or that we've had as guests. Rather, um, have been parents, but I feel like this is a really interesting dive into that and its juxtaposition to dog training and career and all that stuff. So, thank you for yeah. going there with me. Thank you so uh-huh. much. We we didn't really talk much about your career. We'll have that in the show notes. <laughs> I love that we just went kind of <laughs> everywhere about that. But um, you know, so we'll put in the show notes Paradise for Paws and Animal Sense and Pooch Hotel because you're associated with all of those organizations. You know, everybody, just so you know, Nicole runs a national training business. Nicole, how many trainers, just for some quick metrics on this, how many people are you responsible for um, nationally? Approximately. You can do it approximately. Uh, give, or t- give or take like 20 at the moment, but we're in the process of hiring um, nationally right now. Right. So you're, you're running a program that's going to be people from really from coast to coast. Is that where from yeah. West California, yeah. coast to coast? California, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Texas, Dallas, and Denver. All right, so this is, a, this is a large, I mean, so what Nicole's talking about, just to give some context, it's a large boarding and daycare facility called Paradise for Paws, which then expanded and bought uh, the Pooch Hotels, expanded into the Pooch Hotel brand, which is the Petco arm of their boarding and daycare. So big stuff happening for Nicole. You know, she's, if you just kind of put that, kind of put that next to all of the things that you were talking about earlier, I was, you know, I got this stray dog and now you're running, you know, one of the largest yeah. training training programs in the country it's just that's the journey man that is that is the journey yeah i just sometimes uh, can't believe that i went from there to here it's really interesting (laughs) yeah it's really it's kind of it's really to use a overused quote or phrase that's really inspiring and and it also just shows you that you're the kind of person who just keeps herself open to all of the possibilities that happen and it just i keep watching you and i keep seeing that and i i just think it's how you handle it is 
quite poetic. So on that note, you're welcome, darling. So on that note, we'll make sure that you have your contact information. So if you're listening, you want to be a dog trainer, by the way, let's just do a quick, let me say this real quickly. If you're looking for a job being a dog trainer, then you can reach Nicole at Nicole at AnimalSense.com, just like it sounds, or you can reach me and I can put you in touch with her. So, hey, look at that. Yeah. Yay! All right, so have some, uh, I know that uh, dog training usually takes a break around August, so I know you're going to be doing a lot of admin stuff, so that's good. You can take a deep breath. You can get yourself re recalibrated for the school year and, and, uh, and, and keep having awesome success and kicking some massive ass. Thank you so much for being, thank you for being my guest. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, everybody. This was episode number whatever, 27, 28, 29. We don't know anymore. Thank you so much for listening and being here with Nicole and I and, and letting us do all of our momming thing that we did. It was nice to be able to do all together. You've been listening to Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio Network. I'm Jamie Migdal. I'm your host, and I will look forward to being with you next time. Have a great rest of your day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.